I, uh, I've been living in the house that we live in, in Sneed, Alabama, almost 20 years. This is my 20th uh, summer, almost 21 years. This is my 20th summer that I'll be living in that house. And for, for 18 years, uh, I cut the grass the same way. Now, on, on my front of my yard, which is a little over an acre, I have about 100 yards of road frontage ditches that are high steep ditches that that come to Highway 278. And uh, there's only one way to mow them. I, I tried riding them and holding on and all that, and I couldn't. And so there's only one way to mow them, and that is to push up and push down. And push up and roll down. And push up, and, and it wears you out. Even even with a self-propelled lawnmower, push mower, you still can only get about this much, and you go up and down, and up, rump, rump, rump. And it's the hardest part, the longest part of that whole yard it takes about 40 minutes to do that, wears me out. And, and, but it's the only thing I could do until last year. Last year, I started traveling. And last summer, as you know, we had record amounts of rain. And I would only be home two or three days at a time. My yard would be up high. And, and we couldn't get two or three days straight without rain. And, uh, and my ditches were, were full of water. And yet the, the grass was growing on them. And I'm riding my lawnmower thinking about how am I going to get those ditches? I'm going to be splashing in mud. And, and how am I going to do it? And, and, and so I just pull up and I stop and I start looking at those ditches and all of a sudden, the idea came to me. He said, well, you can't ride your ditches this way. He said, but I just thought, why can't you just ride straight up like you push it? And instead of riding, instead of pushing it up and down, just ride up and turn and go back down. Ride up and turn and go back. And then come back and do it on the way back. And it worked. And it only took me about 10 minutes now listen, for 18 years I had cut the grass the same way and suddenly I discovered a brand new way of cutting the grass. This year, I've been presented with another problem because now Highway 278 is the most traveled two-lane highway in the southeastern United States. Now, on certain days, there'll be traffic backed up. We have a four-way stop and sneak. There'll be traffic backed up a mile all the way in front of my house. And there's more and more traffic, which means I couldn't ride up. I mean, I'd be sitting there waiting for all the cars. And when all of them get there, then they'd be coming this way. And so I had to come up with a brand new way just yesterday afternoon. I got to thinking, well, I can't ride it sideways, but, but I may can take this self-propelled lawnmower and hold on to it, and it worked. And so now I just walk like this, and yesterday afternoon I was able to, didn't take me any more time than it took riding it, and I just walked it and discovered it. Now listen, 18 years did one thing, and in two years I've discovered two brand new ways to cut my lawn. Come on, everybody. And so today I want to talk to you about the promise of the Father and the, the prayer request of Jesus Christ to give us the person of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I don't know what your history is, what your journey is, what your faith journey has been. I, I, maybe you've been in church all your life. Maybe you've heard about the Holy Spirit all of your life. Maybe you grew up in churches that didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you grew up in churches that told you to stay away from people who talk about the Holy Spirit. 
But no matter what your knowledge has been, I believe God wants to, just like my lawn, I believe God wants to open up and show you some brand new things today and why Jesus prayed this prayer and the Father gave us this promise. And on this day, come on everybody, 2,000 years ago the church was born on the day of Pentecost. Come on. And don't, listen, I I don't know if that word kind of brings back and conjures up some, the word simply means this, it simply means 50, it it was a feast that happened 50 days after the Passover, after Jesus died, so Pentecost just means 50, what a revelation, look at somebody and say 50. But now here's what Jesus said. He, he spent his last hours with his disciples, John 14, 15, and 16, talking to them about this person, the Holy Spirit. And here's what he said in John 14, verse 16 and 17. He says this. He said, and I will ask the Father. He says, now I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Some translations say comfort comforter some translations say helper look at that look at somebody and say you need help come on look at the person on the other side and say you need help now look what Jesus said said I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the father he's gonna give you this advocate this helper this comforter who will never leave you he is the Holy Spirit everybody say that line out loud with me he is the Holy Spirit now, I, I, here again, I, I don't know what you heard, what you've seen, what you've identified, but, but, but I, I've come to understand this, that, that words have power. And I think there's a lot of words that we have missed and that we have misunderstood. And in our nation today, our vocabulary is shrinking. In America, our culture is shrinking down our vocabulary. In other words, we're using the same words to mean different things today. Like, like, like used to, I would preach a good sermon and somebody would come up and say, man, that sermon was really good. And you did a great job and that was great. I was thankful I did it. Now, now young people will come up to me and say, wow, that sermon was bad, man. I say, well, I'm sorry. I, I did my best. No, man, it was sick. That was the sickest sermon I've ever, you're a sick preacher i'm thinking no i'm feeling pretty good this morning you you see you see they're using words sick used to mean sick bad used to mean bad good used to mean good but now bad means good now sick means superior come on somebody so sometimes we don't we don't understand words. Even though we grew up hearing those words, we don't really understand them. And, and I just want to say just the name Holy Spirit. The word spirit in the Bible, really the word spirit or ghost is, is the most incorrect translation of that word. It should have never been placed in there as spirit or ghost, especially in the King James ghost. I mean, who, I, I'm afraid of ghosts. Come on, somebody. I, I don't want a ghost in my life. And if you go to the original word of the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is ruach. And it just simply means breath or wind of God. Ruach of God. The breath of God. And in the New Testament, the word is pneuma. It is where we get our word today, pneumatics. And it means wind or air. It's the breath of God. The the Spirit of God is the breath of Almighty God. The same breath that breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. Will breathe into our life and bring us alive. 
And we need to understand the power of that. The, the, the word advocate or the word helper, that word is paracleo or paracletus, however you want to say it. And, and it means to call along beside, to invite in, to ask for. And he will come and help you. He will fill in the gaps. He will aid you in doing what you cannot do yourself. But he has to be called. He has to, if, if, I, if I had hurt my leg this morning and I can't get over that, I mean, I can sit here like this all day and try to do it on my own. Or I can say, hey, Austin, come here. I need you to help me. Come here, man. I need you to help me. Now, now, Austin, I need, I need to get to the other side over there, man, okay? So I need you to help me. Now, that's what a helper is. Now, I didn't ask him to carry me. I, I, mean, I mean, I didn't jump up in his arms. Come on, somebody give Austin a hand. See, sometimes that's what we're, we're expecting the Holy Spirit to do everything in our life. And we're wondering why he's never come to take your place. No, he came to give you power where you are weak. To fill in the gaps where you don't measure up. He fills it in. What you cannot do, he does. And the Bible says it like this. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or imagine according to the power power of the Spirit of God working in your life, helping you, not carrying you. Come on, somebody. Helping you to do what you cannot do on your own. This breath of God, this wind of God, it's always refreshing. Everybody take a deep breath. Ah, it's always refreshing. Nothing to be afraid of. This, this word, holy, he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. This word holy is, is a word in the New Testament, a Greek, hagios. And it doesn't mean perfection. It means just to help you set apart from some things to some other things. In other words, from living your own life to living the life God has intended for you. Instead of living for your own plans and purposes, which will always fail, is living for the plans and the purposes that God has for you. If you could see the will of God five years from now, if God would roll it back... And you could see it. It's exactly what you would want and where you would want to be five years from now in your life. And he comes to help us. But, but the original word comes out of the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. And this is what the word holy really means. To brood. The Spirit of God moved or brooded over the face of the earth. And creation began to come into the earth. Now, this younger generation, I realize you not, may not understand what brooding is. But, but when I, I, we, we grew up for about three and a half years uh, on a farm in Arkansas. It's good to have my mom here with me. Mom, stand up. My mom, come on, stand up. Good to have her here with me. She's 89 years old. Still leads a prayer group every Tuesday morning. Still does a Bible study at her uh, apartment. Come on, everybody. That's what I, I'm talking about. And, and, and we, we, we liked two things we loved. We liked chickens and we liked eggs. Now, now let me tell you, we had, there was a family lived next door that had chickens that, that had hens that laid eggs. And, and if we wanted eggs, we would go and shoo the hen off of the, the nest and we would get those eggs and take them in the house. And the next morning, they had 
scramble them or fry them or do whatever, they'd crack those eggs and out would come the white and the yellow. But, but if we wanted chicken instead of just eggs, we had to leave those eggs under that hen. And if that hen sat on those eggs long enough, what we saw when we cracked open the egg, the yellow and the white, that would begin to recreate inside that shell. You couldn't see it happening, but underneath that hen, something supernatural began to take place. Inside that shell, beaks begin to form, feet begin to form, wings begin to form until a chicken, a creation, began to grow inside of that egg that became stronger than the shell that held it in. It would crack that shell open. I don't know, poke its mom on the behind and shoo her off the nest and that chicken would come out of that nest. That's the power of brooding. And, and the Holy Spirit was given to us this brooding breath of God to create inside of us things that become greater than the things on the outside of us that limit us and restrict our life and keep us from becoming or doing what God had planned for us to do. Several years ago, I, I grew up with this thing. I... I, I, I I grew up with this thing called OCD. I didn't know that's what it does. I don't know. I, I've got ADHD, OCD, and every other D you can think of. Come on. But there was this, there was this drive inside of me. Everything had to be perfect. Everything had to be in order. Everything had its place. And, and, and you can't get perfection. The problem is you're, you're, you're never getting what you want. So you stay frustrated and you paralyze everybody around you. And everybody walks on eggshells around you. And everybody around you's got knots in their stomach. Come on. How many of you? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, I didn't know that's what that was. I didn't, I didn't know what OCD was until I, I, I went to a Christian counselor, a friend of mine that I had recommended. I said, listen, I just need to talk to you about some things and tell you I need some help on this. And, and he pulled it out. He said, well, you have OCD, obsessive, obsessive compulsive disorder. Well, I went home, and I, I mean, I'm a man of faith. So now I knew what it was. So I began to pray, and I began to ask God, God, I need, I need self-control. I need peace. Well, I knew that was in the Bible. Watch this. I knew that was in the Bible. It's, it's found in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And in, in the King James, it says it like this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. And I would always read that in the Bible and think that's what I'm supposed to look like. I'm, that's what I'm, I'm, and I would try to do it in my own strength. And the more I focused on what I wasn't, the more I became what I didn't want to be. So I start praying and I'm asking God. And this time I went in the New Living Translation. And here's the way it reads in the New Living Translation. It says it like this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. Everybody read that out loud with me. But the Holy Spirit produces. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The Holy Spirit produces. I can't never become that on my own. The more I, I, I don't measure up. I've got too big a gap. But that's why Jesus sent me a helper. And I began to invite him in. I began to welcome him in. I began to say, hey, Holy Spirit, just like I did Austin, I've got a limp. 
And I need you to strengthen that limp in my life. Now listen to me. I begin to understand the brooding presence. Just spending time in his presence. I begin to thank him. I had self-control. I had peace. Now listen, I didn't go to bed one night and wake up the next morning. But I'm telling you, over the next few weeks time, God began to bring such a peace in my life. Such a, such a self-control in my life that I began to let things go. I began to feel the pressure leave. I began to feel the knots in my stomach go. And I'll never forget it. About two or three months later, one of my staff members come up to me and my wife and said, what have y'all done with our pastor? Because God had so changed my life and so helped me to overcome. That's what the Holy Spirit has been given to us for. He comes to help you be a better mother, be a better husband, be a better wife, be a better co-worker. Come on. That's, he comes to make up the differences and the deficiencies in your life. You were never meant to live this Christian life in your own strength. And here's the problem. When you try to live the Christian life without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be miserable. It's the hardest, most life-sucking thing you'll ever try to do in your own strength. You were never meant to be a Christian without the Spirit of God's power in your life. Without the Holy Spirit, Christianity becomes a dead, dry religion of rules and regulations that will kill you but with the breath of God with the wind of God with the presence of the Holy Spirit he will aid you fill in the gaps and help you do what you could never do on your own listen there's three words three more words about this experience in our life one of them is baptized everybody say baptized it's the words Jesus used in Acts chapter 1 in verse 4 and 5, it says this. Once when he was eating with them, this was after he had risen from the dead. He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. This is God. This is not my promise. This is not Solid Rock's preference. This is the promise of your heavenly Father. This is the prayer of Jesus. The first thing he asked the Father when he got to heaven was to empower us with the breath, the brooding breath of God. Say that out loud with me. The brooding breath of God. The brooding breath of God. He says this. He says, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the brooding breath of God. We don't understand that. We know what water baptism is. But let me, let me just help you understand what that Greek word. In fact, it's one of the few words in the Bible that's not translated. The word baptize comes from the Greek baptizo. We, do, we didn't try to translate it. But it simply means to, to overwhelm. To overwhelm. Now, now, when I say overwhelm, you're thinking of the feeling of being overwhelmed. But let me, let me explain it to you, what he meant. He, what he meant. I, I, I mow my yard and... I get hot and, and sweaty and tired. It takes me about four and a half, five hours. And my wife, she'll be bringing me cold bottles of water. I'll drink about half and pour the other half over me. But when I get near the end and I get through, I've got a swimming pool in my backyard. Oh, yeah. It's about three foot on one end, eight foot on the other has a diving board. I don't even take my clothes off. I'm just going to tell you. I just go get on that diving board and boom, shoo. 
Now, I'm hot. My body temperature is, is, is higher than the water temperature. So it is cold no matter how warm the water is. And I have this thing I do. I dive in one end and I stay underwater till I get to the other end. And I'm going to tell you when this hot body gets overwhelmed and baptized into that cool, refreshing pool. Here's how I come up out of the water. <sighs> how many of you know what I'm talking about? That's being overwhelmed. See, you're living too normal of a life. You're, you're living a restricted life. You're living a limited life. You're doing everything you can do. And God never planned you to live in your own strength. He wants to have some overwhelming moments in your life. He wants you to live some adventures, some breathtaking moments where you say, oh, this has to be God. I can't believe this happened in my life. Last year, I was invited to speak in Detroit to a group of government leaders from the nation of Nigeria, Inugu, Nigeria. And when they invited me to come, they said, now this, these people are not necessarily Christians. Says, you can't use a Bible and you can't quote and, uh, references from the Bible. You just got to teach on leadership. But we want you to do it because we know that you're a believer and you'll bring the presence of God with you. Well, I got overwhelmed. I'm telling you, I got overwhelmed the other way. I thought, God, I'm a preacher. I just know how to preach. And, but one day, the presence of the Spirit of God, the breath of God came over me. And God began to give me a speech on leadership. And I'll never forget that day I stood up and I, I kind of introduced myself and I'm talking about leadership is about serving people. And then I said, now I need to tell you today that, that, that everything I'm gonna teach you, I got from the greatest leader who has ever lived. And it really doesn't matter how you feel religiously about the man, Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you this, that, that uh, when, he, when he died uh, 2,000 years ago, he only had about 500 followers but in 2,000 years even after he's been dead and gone he's the greatest leader who's ever lived because in every nation and every tribe and every tongue 2,000 years later he's got followers all over the world and I began to teach him the principles of Jesus Christ on serving I, the presence of God came on me they didn't even know what they were doing and they started standing up and clapping come on everybody that's what God wants you to live some moments over your head and overwhelmed where you need to invite him in and call him into your life. The next word that we find is, let me, let me, let me go back. Here's the problem. We, some of us has got, got, got oh, I, you, you, you got it all. I mean, I mean you, 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 you say, I've, I've had this for 20 years. You can't teach me anything. But here's the problem. The Holy Spirit didn't come into our lives just so we could sit and do nothing. He came to give us power. Acts 10, 42 says, how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing. Come on, you need to get to doing some things that you can't do in your own strength. I mean, I mean the difference. He, he, the, the Spirit of God in my life, He's the power source. He's the dynamic in my life. I mean, you can use a screwdriver if you want to, you know, and, and wear yourself out trying to, trying to screw that screw in. I'd just rather take a power drill and go zip and get it in. Come on, somebody. 36 years ago when me and my wife got married, I could pick her up and dance around the house with her. I can't do that anymore. 
Can't do it. Sorry. Everything that was up here went down here. But every now and then I'll be down in my swimming pool. And I'll call my wife and say, baby, come down here. What do you want? Come, come down here, baby. She'll get in that three foot of water. I'll pick her up. I don't just pick her up. I dance around with her. Just Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. Now, look, watch this. She wouldn't float around without me, but I would never be able to hold her up without that water. That's the power of the Holy Spirit to help you rise up and do things and be things that you will never be able to do. But he has to be invited. He has to be asked. Another word that, that... is used when we talk about this person of the Holy Spirit is found in the, in the book of Acts chapter 19. I, I mean, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And it says it like this. It says, be not drunk with wine. Come on. I, I like to say that another way. Do, do not be stimulated. Do not be influenced by. Now, now you, can, you, can, you can take the word wine out and put any word you want to in your life because that will ruin your life. Say that out loud with me. Because that will. Now watch this. Instead, be filled. See, this word filled speaks to our human condition. And every one of us has it. That gnawing, aching feeling of emptiness. In, in fact, you, you, you know, I think we've misrepresented this, but, but you can be a Christian and, and still find yourself with empty moments. Yep, you, especially if you're one that gives out. The more you give out, the quicker you'll get empty if you don't be filled. This word be filled means to keep on continuously. It's not a one-time thing you put on a trophy counter, but it's a daily walk with this person of the brooding breath of God. In fact, if you grow in God, the way you grow in your relationship with God is God takes things out of you so he can put things in you. If you don't rely on the Holy Spirit to fill those empty moments in your life, you'll begin to look to other things. It may not be wine. It may be drugs. It may be sex. It may be relationships. It may be another career. It may be a new home. You may need another degree. But anything you go after to stimulate and fill the empty places of your life will only ruin your life I don't care what you're chasing today trying to fill that emptiness it's going to ruin your life but instead be filled deep breath everybody come on one more time and then the last word that we see is found in Acts 19 Paul comes to a church, and this is what he says. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. And this is what he asked them. Did you receive? Everybody say that out loud with me. Did you? Now now watch. This changes everything. This changes the whole dimension and definition because baptize he said i'm going to baptize you he he said they were all filled god does the filling 
But this word receive turns the responsibility away from God to me. Because receiving is something you have to do actively. I don't know how many of you like the Super Bowl or either one of the teams that won or lost, but I love that last touchdown where that receiver jumped up in the air and caught that. I mean, he jumped up high. When you see a, a receiver in a football game, they stretch out, they grab, and they pull in. See, this word receive means I've got I to take the restrictions and the limitations and quit putting demands on God. And I have to open my life, my mind, my spirit. I have to, I have to invite him in without reservation, without, without limitation. Spirit of the living God, breath of God, enter my life. I'm calling you to come. Make up the difference. Fill in the gap. Give me the power to be and do what you've called me to do. Let me live that overwhelmed life. Let me live that adventurous, exciting life of the spirit I was meant to live. Now I understand, I understand that history, history may, may, maybe you've had some experience. Well, let, let me just tell you this. Me and my wife dated for about two and a half or three years. And then, and then the first 32 years of our marriage after that for 35 years, my wife would beg me, beg me, Every time we would go out, she would beg me, baby, eat some guacamole. I hate guacamole. Now, I need to tell you something. For 35 years, I hated guacamole. I had never tasted guacamole. Never, never. She would beg me, just try it. I'd say, no, I hate it. How do you know you hate it? I said, have you looked? Dead end. I, I've, had, I've, I've had two kids. That, it only looked like one thing found in diapers to me. I mean, I mean she would, we would get in arguments. I'd just say, leave me alone. I'm never going to put that stuff in my mouth. About four year, years ago, a friend of mine called me and needed me to come to Ecuador and he picks me up at the airport and we're going to his home, which is about four hours away. And he is just talking, talking, and I'm listening. I'm listening to his visions and his dreams. And that's what I'm there for. I'm not, I'm just, yeah, and okay, and this, and just listening. And he's pouring it out and pouring it out. And about three, three and a half hours into it, we pull into this restaurant and we go in and he's still talking. And he's still talking. A waitress comes over. She lays the menus down there in all Spanish. I read no Espanol, no, no, no Espanol. And he still keeps talking, keeps talking, keeps talking. I'm kind of looking and looking at him, trying not to be rude. And suddenly the waitress comes up and she says something in Spanish and he says something in Spanish and they both look at me. And he says, what do you want, Frankie? I, I said, um, whatever you have. <laughs> a few minutes later, they bring this Ecuadorian national soup. It's a potato soup. And right in the middle of that potato soup is a long slice of avocado. Now, you need to understand something. I hate avocado. Now, I've never tasted avocado. But I hate avocado because my wife told me that's what guacamole's made out of. And I know if I don't like guacamole, I'm not going to like avocado. 
Well, I didn't tell him. He's just sitting there talking, and suddenly he sees it on my face. He says, what's wrong, Frankie? He said, you don't like soup? I said, oh, I love soup. He said, well, what's wrong? I can see. I said, this is avocado. He said, you don't like avocado? I said, I hate avocado. And he did what you just do spontaneously. He said, have you ever tried avocado? I said, no. How do you know you hate avocado? I said, have you ever seen guacamole? He said, Frankie, he said, I, I had four families in the country at that time. I've got two families that will live there until Jesus calls them here home and from our church. And he said, Frankie, you're going to be coming here the rest of your life. He said, you've got to eat this traditional na- national soup. So I took the avocado out of my soup. I laid it on a plate. And I cut a slice and put it in my mouth. Oh, my God. I fell in love with avocado. In fact, that whole week, every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I ate avocado. He tried to get me to eat guacamole, but I said, no. If I eat guacamole, it's going to be with my wife who's been begging me for 35 years to eat it. So I called my wife. I said, baby, you're not going to believe it. She said, what? What's wrong? I said, babe, I'm eating avocado every day, and I love it. She said, what? You had to go all the way to Ecuador after all these years? I said, yeah, babe. I said, but listen, when I get home, bring on the guacamole. (laughs) Now, I'm going to tell you, I can't tell everything because we're in a Sunday morning church service, and we're live streaming. But I cannot tell you how that's enhanced my relationship with my wife. We make homemade guacamole. I I peel out the avocado myself. And we make it and we eat it. Some days we'll just eat a whole bowl of guacamole. Now listen, I, I, I don't know what you've seen about the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you've experienced and maybe you've seen some foolish. Let, let, me, let me just tell you something. The Holy Spirit, he's not goofy. People are goofy. They'd be goofy without the Holy Spirit. They're just goofy. But the Holy Spirit's not goofy. He'll never push his way in. His very name, advocate, helper, means you got to call for my help. And today I'm asking you, Don't miss another year of your life without this breath of God that will overwhelm and change everything and help you do what you've been struggling and failing to do on your own. He's just waiting. He's the promise of your Father.